Amen, amen. Come on, can you high-five somebody? Hug somebody, smile warmly at somebody as you grab a seat. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Alex and team, so much. Good morning, church. Morning, church. Lord, my prayer is one time, just once, that the whole church would respond. Good morning. Amen. Really glad you're here. Again, um, if you're a guest, Nancy mentioned it well. My wife, Nancy, we pastor this church uh, with a brilliant team, and we're glad you're here. If you're a guest here, we're really glad you're here. It's not an accident you're here. It's not an accident. My wife's been looking for snow all Christmas, and when we got it, I'm like, I don't know if I want it, babe. It's a little harder to go to church. Some of you take the bus, take cabs. Some of you walk here. Some of you get here. I just, we're so thankful you're here. If you're a guest, we're really glad you're here. I don't know how you got here. Social media, maybe you saw it. Maybe a friend invited you. Um, I don't know, but we're really glad you're here. It's a really special place. Church, for those that call church uh, Nova home, we missed you. So good to see you. I know the right answer is you were always looking forward to church. I know that's the right answer, but can I be honest? Some Sundays are more exciting than others. And last night, I was saying to Nancy, I'm excited to see church. I'm excited to go to church. I'm excited to see my people, to see our friends, our community. It's really good to see you today. And I hope you feel that today. I hope you feel that love. I hope you feel that um, excitement today. How many are glad to see each other today? Anybody glad to see each other? Good-looking church. Now, the, the lights are dim, but you're a good-looking church. And uh, we're really glad to have you here today. Um, I want to encourage you, first of all, with Psalm if you have your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we have a free Bible you can have in the lobby. You can take it with you. But if you just turn to Matthew 25, I'm going to get there in a minute. Matthew chapter 25, first book of the New Testament. But Psalm 119, 35, been thinking about the new year, you know. And I go through stages with the whole New Year's thing. I don't know if, like, like I get, I love the new year and new me. All those, like, hype and all those quotes and every Instagram influencer that just wants to tell me how to live my best life. And sometimes I love it. And other times I'm like, stop, just stop. To stop. I don't need you. I don't I, the hype. And then other times I love it again. I'm, I'm loving it this year. I just I feel the new start. I'm not sure where you're at, but let me encourage you. Psalm 119:35. It says, "Make me walk along the path of your commands," and that's where my happiness is found. I think that's interesting. Uh, happiness. And we have a world chasing happiness. And the Bible says clearly in Psalm 119.35, make me walk along the path of your commands, for that's where happiness is found. And then in verse 37, David adds, and turn my eyes from worthless things. It doesn't say TikTok there, but you can put TikTok in there if you want to. Uh, come on, somebody. And Pinterest, yes, and even HGTV. All right, I went there. I just lost a whole bunch of people in this room right now. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. This, this thought, I was talking to my son yesterday, and he had this line I thought was brilliant that he got from a book he was reading. It says, what gets your attention determines your direction, and your direction determines your destination. It all starts with our attention. Can I encourage you this week, this month, this year, as we start this, give God your attention. How are you going to do that? Great question. Come to prayer Tuesday night. Tuesday night, we've rented Full Gospel Church. It's all over social media. We'll have an email going out this week. You've already seen it. Come to prayer for one hour. We're going to pray. It's going to be good. We're going to worship. We're not setting up any flags or signs or lights or anything. We just rented a church. We're going to go in and we're just going to pray for one hour. And I believe if we give God our attention, it affects our direction. Once your direction set, determines your destination. You want to end 2023 in God's presence? You start it by giving him your attention. Amen? That was good right there. That was free, by the way, online. That was free. Don't even, don't even, I'm not going to pay, charge you for that. Don't even get paid. That was free. That was a word right there. As my friends, that was a word right there. 
Matthew 25, are you there? All right, you're not there. Verse 34, we're going to start reading in verse 34. Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king, Jesus is speaking here. We're Jesus' people here, and he says, Jesus is, is, is talking to a crowd. He says here, he says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry. I haven't been hungry since before Christmas. Anybody else in the same place as me? Come on. I've had, like, we need to get rid of all the leftovers. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, that when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. I'm starting a series right now in January called Tables. And it's when Jesus pulls up a chair to your life. And we're going to be on a journey these next few weeks on hospitality. And I don't know if you've ever been a part of a series on hospitality in the church. I've never preached one. But as a team, we're going to walk through this. I believe God wants to speak to us as a church as we start this year about hospitality and our faith and how they're joined. And I believe even today, God's going to start to maybe awaken some things, maybe put a finger on some things going. I've been feeling that. Uh, I've sensed that. I've missed that. I believe God's going to transform something. I believe starting even today, it's going to lead us as a church. And I believe 2023, and I've said it as we closed the year last year, I have an expectancy in my spirit that I have not had for probably three years, four years, of what God wants to do in this assembly, this house, this community in these next few months. And I believe this, as we start this year, as we give our attention to hospitality, I believe God is going to do something. Let me pray. Father, I thank you again for this morning. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this church. God, I'm aware of the issues and the journey in this room, and I pray that you would make yourself real in this moment. Jesus, we love you. We want to make much of you. We want to make you big. We want to magnify you. We want to obsess about you, the way you think, who you love, how you help, what, you're, what you value. Jesus, we need you today. Would you shake off the religion that wants to set in would you shake off the, the distance that we've let grow? And Father, I pray today that we would feel your presence today. Would you make these words real? Would you bring change into our lives? And God, we thank you for this community. And God, we're asking that you would show up in a real way this year. In Jesus' name, everybody said. When you hear the word hospitality in our culture, what do you think of that word hospitality? I remember growing up, my parents would always say, they're really hospitable. You know, they have a gift of hospitality. When you hear that word hospitality, I want to challenge you to say it's bigger than that. I don't know, when I think hospitality, I think of a beautiful home. I don't know what you think of. I have this picture of well, hospitality. It's just all the warm fuzzies, right? Just someone's house, a beautiful home, you know, with great Jillian Harris decor. Insert your designer. If you don't know who that is, then okay, all right? But you can insert any designer you want in there. Uh, maybe it's just Ikea 
Now, some of you, come on, some of you uh, single guys, it's milk crates. That's your end table. You know what I'm talking about. I'm there. I know. You see a beautiful home and great decor. Maybe it's the perfect backyard and with the string, those pin, I call them the Pinterest lights, those perfectly lights that every engagement photo seems to happen under. And maybe it's the mason jar candles. Come on, somebody. Maybe it's the perfect meal made from an organic garden with the right sauce and everything is just beautiful and the right music. Hey, Alexis, play smooth jazz. And there's just ambiance. When you picture hospitality, it's more than that. It's more than that. I believe there's something in, uh, integral and important to our faith as a church as we wrestle with not just being a, a bunch of people that come for a service and a gathering on Sundays, but we actually embrace the DNA and the blueprint of what God's designed his church, his people to be. I want to remind you, I want to make it very clear why we exist as a community. It's actually the same reason and why that Jesus gave the church the charge, given the church, we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, when it said, go and make disciples of all the nations. We just reworded it, and we exist as a church to help those far from God come close to God. That's why we exist. And some of you, you're new to this community. Maybe you're just checking it out. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've been watching for a while online. Balcony, I see you. So good to see you up there today. Maybe you been coming for a while, and you're like, right, that rolls off your tongue. No, you need to understand, if you cut us, we bleed this statement. If you want to know why we do online, why we do services, why we do what we do, it's to help those far from God come close to God. That's why we exist. I want to remind you of that so we don't, uh, we don't waste our resources. Our resources are time, treasure, and talent. We don't want to waste those. And, and some of you maybe need to get off the train that is Nova Church because it's not the direction you want to go in. But the rest of us want to remind us, this is where the train goes. This is the direction we're in. And we don't want to waste our resources, our time, our treasure, or our talent, putting things and wasting things in the wrong direction. We are here for one reason, and it's to help those far from God come close to God. It's not to be a big church. Though we will grow, and we are growing. That's not our why. It's not to be a comfortable church for Christians. Though, we honestly believe this church is a place that you'll enjoy. Like, church is enjoyable. I, I, we have fun at church. But it's, that's not our why, is to be a comfortable place. It's actually not even a place. Our goal is not to be a cool place, a fun place, a non-judgy place for those who are far from God. That's not our goal. Though, it's a place that we believe people will want to come in because of the open doors and not crossed arms. It's not our why. Our why is to keep moving closer. Listen, you and me, to keep moving closer in relationship with God ourselves. My goal, I have failed if I am not closer to God by the end of this year than I am at the start of this year. Why? Because I want to come closer to God. There's parts of my life that are far from God that I want to move closer to God. And we collectively are moving closer to Jesus. And collectively, any resource we have we're going to use to help others come close to God. That is our why. I want to remind you of that so you don't waste your time checking out our church if it's not for you. I want to remind you of that, that this is your church. We unapologetically push in that direction for our resources. That's why we take offerings. That's why we have prayer times. That's why we do generational ministries. That's why we do what we do is to help those of ourselves and others who are far from God come close to God. Tables. This series that we're starting today, Jesus wants to pull up a chair to the table of your life. 
He just doesn't want you to go to church. Jesus wants to pull up a table, uh, a chair to the table of your life, and he wants us to make room at our table for others to join. Faith and community. Listen to this. I don't know if this is going to awaken you or not. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I was reading this, studying for this, and this is just really was a real wake-up call for me. Do you know, this is mostly American statistics, but they're not far off from Canadian. We're very similar. It says, the percentage of Americans who said they have no friends has quadrupled since 1990. I mean, no friends. You're like, well, I've, no, no friends. 54% report feeling that they often feel like no one knows them well. No one knows them well. People may know their name, they may know their face, but 50, over half of all people feel like no one knows them well. 40% have no close friends or someone they can confide in. We live in a culture that is binge-watching glimpses into other people's days and obsessively producing content of glimpses into our days, all filtered to impress, but we have less and less real relationships. If I could be real, that's what's happening. More conversations start with, hey, did you see on my story? Or, yeah, I, hey, I saw on your story, talking highlights and bullet points, but we miss real connection. Uh, we're in the middle of a mental health crisis. That's not new news, and it is a crisis. And we're replacing real connection with information, and we're calling it influence. We have more influencers that are just, we're, 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 we're getting rid of connection and replacing it with information and we call it influence. It's more like under the influence. We're intoxicated with promoting self-image, which leaving so many feeling so hollow. Studies have shown recently that loneliness can be as dangerous to our health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Think about that. Loneliness. Statistic. Loneliness is as dangerous to your health as smoking 15 Cigarettes a day. Loneliness. We have an epidemic of loneliness in our culture. Uh, back in the 13th century, there was this German king, King Frederick II. And he conducted this diabolical experiment intended to discover what language children would grow up to speak if they never heard a language. So he made this, this crude experiment. He said, I wonder what, what would happen if they never heard language. What language would children naturally speak? He took babies from their mothers at birth and placed them in the care of nurses who were forbidden to speak in their presence. They also added another part to this. The second rule was imposed as well, is that these nurses were not allowed to touch the infants. It's cruel. Uh, to his great dismay, Frederick's experiment was cut short, not because of something tragically significant learning about human nature, but the babies grew up to no, speak no language at all because none of them lived. The babies literally died for lack of touch and engagement. We have a culture that, though we, we, we think we have connection because we see things, but we are dying this epidemic of loneliness Solitary confinement, which you know, if you know anything about that, is put into a place as punishment by yourself. Did you know that if it lasts more than 15 consecutive days, it's recognized by the United Nations as torture? Even short-term stays can lead to permanent psychological damage and suicidal desires. And 
while prolonged solitary is harmful to everyone who experiences this, watch this, solitary confinement is especially dangerous for certain groups. Those 21 and younger, those 55 or older, those who are pregnant, people with disabilities, and people with mental health illnesses. You know, it's interesting, and it sounds like I'm dogging on social media. I have it, I enjoy it, but it's interesting. Social media, many times, is just solitary confinement with a window. I don't know if you've got tired of the scroll, I don't know, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever your, what your, your poison of choice is. Just, there's, there's, there's this epidemic. In, in the USA alone, suicide rates rose by 36% in the last two decades. And I would say most in this room have been impacted by suicide in your life, someone. A loved one, a friend. Even this last year in my life, co-laborers, uh, co pastors have taken their life. 36% has grown in the last two decades. Depression, this one got me. Depression in youth rose by 63% in the last few years. 63%. We have a problem. And one of the things we're passionate about as Jesus followers is not just coming and doing our service and going through the motion, but we actually believe that God has placed us here for a reason. Not to sing our songs and entertain ourselves. We actually believe our city is better because we're here. I'm going to say that over here. I got no love over here. I believe our city is better because we as a church exist. I believe your street is better. I believe your school is better. I believe our neighborhoods are better. I believe our businesses are better. We have a problem as, as a city, as a culture. Could it be that God made us and knows what we need and set into our faith principles and direction to help us? Matthew chapter 25, I just read, he said, as you showed hospitality for the least of these, you did it for me. Jesus is saying this, if you ignore them, you ignore me. If you welcome them, you welcome me. That's a very simple statement. That's a very hard goal. There's over 50 references to food in Luke alone. I knew I liked Luke for a reason. There's over 50 references to food in Luke Alone, one New Testament scholar, Robert Caress, writes it this way. Jesus is in Luke in the New Testament. He says Jesus is either going to a meal, he's either at a meal, or he's coming from a meal. That's the whole New Testament. How many relate to Jesus right now? You're like, I knew I loved Jesus for a reason. Jesus was a foodie. He was, on, he was on a traveling road trip, a food trip. That's all he was doing. Taste testing everywhere he went. Meals, tables, was meant, meant more in Jesus' day maybe than it does in our culture and our country today. When you joined someone for a meal, it wasn't a drive-through experience. It was a sign and a symbol of deep relationship. Deep relationship. It was, it was meals that were unity. It showed love and acceptance and commitment. It showed great acceptance. Meals can both join, but meals can also separate. During segregation, um, blacks could not eat with whites at restaurants. Meals were used to separate and divide. Meals separate economic classes. Even in our city, there are places that you cannot eat if you don't have the right means and income. There are places I do not eat in our city because I cannot afford it. Meals can even separate people. Where are my drive through people? Just me? All right. Everybody? Come on. Big, I, we had five Big Mac coupons over Christmas. We used every single one of them <laughs> in two days. Don't, don't judge me. Do not judge me. I'm loving it. Da-da-da-da-da. Meals can join, but meals can also separate. 
One theologian said it this way, Jesus got himself killed not over what he said, but who he ate with. Because it's showing your value, your acceptance, your love. Jesus used the table to break down barriers. Rich, poor, saved, sinner, disciples, and those far from God. Hospitality is more than just having a warm house with the right playlist. It's about values and priorities and focus. Hospitality, it's a Greek word. It's, it, it, the root word for hospitality is, is, is philoxenon. It's, it's a compound word, and you break it down, philo means love, right? Think of Philadelphia, philo, the, 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 the city of brotherly love, and xenon means foreigner. It's the opposite of the word xenophobia, which is the fear of the foreigner and hatred and racism. But when you see this word, uh, philoxenon, it actually means a love uh, hospitality is a love or a welcoming of the stranger. That's what hospitality is. It's a love and a welcoming of the stranger to create space for strangers to become neighbors and neighbors to become family. The Bible makes it clear that this is a pillar of our faith. And our goal here is not just to show up to church and have a great service, but our hunger at our deepest core is to be Jesus' people. What would happen as a community if we kept leaning into the teachings of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, and became like the church and, and became like the people that he's designed us to be? The epidemic we have of loneliness and of barriers, I believe, would be broken down. The Bible makes it clear it's a true pillar of our faith. Romans 12, 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them always. Be eager to practice hospitality. Always eager, always ready to practice hospitality. 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Well, how do you show love? How do you cover a multitude of sins? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say bring them to an altar. It doesn't even say pray for them in that passage. It says love covers a multitude of sin. And how do you show that love? Offer hospitality. Reaching of sinners at tables is more effective than pulpits. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Well, how do you do that? Watch this. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some have even done this and entertained angels without realizing it. There's a thought. Hospitality. Love each other through hospitality. 1 Timothy 3, it unpacks the requirements to be a leader in the church. I've studied this, I've learned this, I've read this. As we develop leaders and even board members, we go through the list of what are the qualifications to be a leader in the church. And in 1 Timothy 3, it also says it in Titus, it goes through this, it'd be, you know, they should have um, a good home life, they should be not given to um, stealing or lying or outbursts of anger, and they should have things in order at home. But you know what it also says? It says they should be hospitable. Now, I've seen pastors, and I've heard of pastors being removed for affairs. I've seen leaders being removed for fraud and stealing. I don't know if I've ever seen a leader removed for not being hospitable. But it's one of the requirements of being a leader in the church. That's how important it is to our faith. Over and over in the New Testament, we're commanded to show hospitality. Let me encourage you this. Hospitality is not entertainment. It's not the perfect Pinterest home decor. It's not the right dishes. It's not the right home or apartment or condo. It's not the right ambiance. 
It's interesting that Jesus never had a home, Scripture says, to call his own. He invited himself over to everybody else's home. How many have that gift? I do. But he changed the world around tables. Some of you are going, no, it doesn't, I, 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 just, I don't want people in my home. I don't have the right home. I'm, when I get a home, and we have this dream of when I get to a certain level, then I'm going to open up. I'm not talking about that. There's something deeper here that I think God wants to unpack in these next few weeks about hospitality. We're going to be ending this series, by the way, all having a meal together as a church. At tables. In this building, in this space, we're going to uh, have a service where we sit, and some of you are already excited about that. Some of you are like, you're already thinking, what's on the menu? It's not pizza. We're going to have flavors from all over the world. It's going to be amazing. We're going to sit and break bread together and, and eat stuff. And if Wendy's here, your meat pies need to be there. My God, she, oh my God. If you don't know, you don't know. Wendy, you're, oh my gosh. How many just got hungry all of a sudden? Anybody? Some Popeye's chicken. I need some Popeye's. I had Popeye's for the first time over Christmas. And then I started going to the gym again. Hospitality. I was, this is taken, I think you're going to see the slide here, taken from Pastor John Comer in Portland, the difference between hospitality and entertainment. Because we think hospitality is entertaining people. Have people over and entertain them. Entertainment is exclusion. Hospitality is inclusion. There's a difference. Entertainment says performance. Look at my space. Look at my skills. Look how well I cook. Look how well I decorate. Look how well I host. Look, how, look at the skills I have to provide. Look at our, what we've made here. Hospitality is serving people. Entertainment is a clear line between host and guest. This is my house. Come on, let me take your coat. Hospitality blurs that line. Whenever Jesus went somewhere, he, he became both host and guests. He'd be at places he invited himself. We'll talk about it next week. He walked into um, Zacchaeus' house, and he invited himself over and became the host of the home. He, he led the thing, and other times he became the guest, and Sometimes he was washing feet, and sometimes his feet were being washed, and it blurs that line. Watch this. Entertainment also is sporadic. Hospitality is regular. It's a part of your routine. You can't shake it. It's a part of who you are. Entertainment is, uh, I can't say that word, Respir respiratory system. <laughs> Some of us has, have a, say it again, Matt, illness. <laughs> that word. I'm inviting you over, but I'm expecting to get invited to your cottage this summer. I'm having you over for a meal, but I just want you to know, by the way, like, have you checked out my resume? Because, you know, I know you're hiring. And I had you over for a meal, but I'm really hoping that I get invited to everything that you do because we need friends. So I'm having you over because I'm expecting something from this. Hospitality is generosity. It wants nothing in return. Remember, as a young man learning about purity, that they said you've got to understand the difference between lust and love. Lust is always about getting. Love is always about giving. And so many times people will give the emotional to get the physical or they'll give the physical to get the emotional. And lust is always about what can I get from this. But true love, as I was going through even marriage counseling and as we were getting ready to get married, it kept reminding us love is always about giving with nothing in return. Hospitality is generosity. You can't bless me. You can't help me. You can't invite me. You never invite me to your place. It's great. You never invite me out for coffee. Great. You never stop and spend time with me in the lobby or in the grocery store. That's fine. I'm not doing it for reciprocation. Got close. But it's out of generosity. Hospitality crosses a line that separates and pulls out a chair and offers a seat at the table of your life. 
We are an epidemic of loneliness and disconnection and separation and segregation. We are in a, a pandemic of mental health and souls that are starving for a connection, but we don't see it because we've blinded ourselves with entertainment. And I believe at the core of it, Jesus' new hospitality was a part of our faith. Jesus used a meal, interesting, at the table of communion to explain the cross and invite to redemption. He used communion, not a classroom or a courtroom, to explain the cross. Think about this. He used the table to explain to his disciples, here's what's happening. Do this. And remember what I'm doing for you at a table, not a courtroom or a classroom. The Holy Spirit, when he was unveiled and, and when he was introduced, it happened around tables in a room where they were eating together and praying together and singing together, hanging out together. And that's when the Holy Spirit was introduced around a table, not in a service. And Christianity spread at light speed while being persecuted with no buildings and no sound systems and no social media and no celebrity pastors and no printing press, it was simply passed from one table to the next and it spread at light speed and changed the world. The origins of our English words for hospital, hotel, hostel, even hospice, all came from the same root word, hospitality. Why? Because the ancient world, there were none of these. You know, there was no hospitals in the ancient world. There were no hotels in the ancient world. Followers of Jesus stepped into their community and actually met needs, and they were the hospital. They were the hospice. They were the hotels. I'm going to give you a place to stay. Do you know in, 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 in certain centuries, the church was made that every house had a guest room? That's where the guest room came from. Because they assume if you meet a stranger on the road, you have, a, you have to give them a place to stay. Why? Because there's no hotels. It doesn't exist. Christians were the hotels. They were the hospitals. That's why the good Samaritan took him in the, and said, no, I'm taking you in at Tua. I am your hospital. Hospitals to hotels all started around the table of Christians who understood hospitality was a part of their faith. That's why so many hospitals are called St. Jude's, St. Luke's. That's why we have the Red Cross, because it started in faith. And I feel like we've come so far from that in so many ways. The hospitality of Jesus followers literally changed the world. And now we rely on our government and social services to look after our communities, and we've lost something over the centuries. I have lost something. I don't think this way. I don't live this way. And I can't help but think that this is not a starting point for our faith. This is a blueprint for our faith. There's a difference in that statement. Sometimes we look at this, go, I'll start here, and then we have the emerging church and emerging theology, and we're going to, I'll just add to it and take away from it. This is not a starting point. This is a blueprint. For the engineers and architects in the room, you know the difference in that statement. When you have a blueprint, you stick to the blueprint. When you add on or take away, that's where you have system failures and walls collapsing, and you have insecurity. But when you understand a blueprint is not a suggestion, it is actually a map to how to build something. This is not a starting point. It is a blueprint. And is it possible that we've lost something because we've strayed from the blueprint? This fall, I would say we, but I was wrestling with something, a void in my life. I think I've shared this a little bit, but, like, I love you, church. Really love you. Love my job. Love my calling. 
Something was missing. A lot of things are missing. Started wrestling with some things, this void. And we talked about this, and we feel like, sometimes you just feel like an event planner. If you're event planners, no offense, but I'm not that organized to enjoy being an event planner. Started feeling like a manager, just managing teams and managing people and managing buildings and managing rent and managing leases and managing sound systems and managing attitudes and ma managing calendars and budgets and started feeling like something was missing. See, our home, our home is a place, if I'm honest, where it's, it, it, it was designed to be a place to love people and just be a great place of joy, but it's become over the years a little bit of, a, of a, an oasis of protection. I don't know if you're like me. Like home is where you don't have to wear pants. Come on, you know what I'm saying? If you're not wearing pants today, we love you, but put some pants on. But when you're home, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't need to comb your hair. You don't need to use all your words, you know, and you can have cheesy dust on your shirt as you're watching the game. That gold medal game was awesome, by the way. But my home went from being just a place of this is awesome to actually being a little bit more of a, of a hiding place where I don't need to organize or there's no expectation on me. There's no one sees you in a role or needs anything. It's where you can avoid your email and your text messages. And what started as a place of just resting became a place in some ways of hiding from pressure. Maybe you feel the same way. But I, we felt like something was missing in our lives. Felt like just an event manager and we just felt, it's not a big step for some of you guys, but for us, it was like, you know what, we need to, we need to, we need to open our doors wider in our home. And we, we hosted a Nova group this fall. Made a shift in our mentality. And I just need to know, some of you were part of that group. It was life-changing for us. Some of you were like, I was there. Was it really life-changing? It was for us. Holy Spirit moments of community that were real, that was powerful, and filling. And I'm wrestling with, because what happens is sometimes you can be so busy planning something that you're not actually connecting to something. And some of us can be so busy coming to church and leaving church and signing up for emails and, be, and dropping our kids off to youth and serving on a team and leading worship, preaching sermons and, sermons and being behind a soundboard or running kids ministry, but there's something missing in our lives. And then we have a city that needs the goodness of God. And they're not going to come because you posted on Instagram. We're not, they're not coming because you share it on Facebook. They're not just going to come because there's a flag out by the road they're going to drive by. They actually need something more than just more influencers and information. People are dying for a connection. In a time of so much division, separation, rudeness, fighting, selfishness, and loneliness, what if Jesus' followers embraced hospitality as intended? Embracing open doors and tables of our lives and let the gospel do the work. Around breaking bread, drinking really good coffee, and watching God do his thing. Our home group, we would just sit there and listen. Hey, what you, would you enjoy from this book? And just listen. And I felt my soul filling up in a way it has not filled in years. So much so that Nancy said it was two nights ago, we need to have our home group come back just for one night only. Just to do cake. And I was like, that sounds awesome. I'm like, who are we? I don't even know. I have to put pants on, but it'll be awesome. What if we as a church embraced hospitality and broke down some walls in our lives and embraced people and pulled out a chair 
for Jesus to come to our table, but also a table, pull out a chair for others to join us. What would happen as a church? I want to pray for you today, church, as we start this journey. We're going to be doing communion in this series together. Again, the table of the Lord. We're going to eat together as a church, break down some walls and community. And I believe God wants to do something as we start this year to let the gospel do the work. And some of you, if you're honest, you've been fighting the loneliness and the voidness, and God wants to rush in and do life together. It's more than a slogan. It's actually a part of our faith. The hospitality of Jesus changed the world. And I believe the hospitality of our church will change the city. All this place, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you today. I want to bless you as we start this year. Would you commit to being on this journey with us? It'll change your life. God's up to something. I'm going to close your eyes for a minute. Let me bless you. I have two prayers I want to pray. First prayer I want to pray is for hospitality. Lord Jesus, we come to you together as a community of believers, and we love you. I'm asking right now that you would open our eyes and our hearts to see you in our friends, but also in, our, in the strangers around us. We wouldn't see issues and pain. We wouldn't see problems and demands. We wouldn't see bother, but we would see you in strangers and our friends. We welcome them, we welcome you. If we ignore them, we ignore you. God, help us open our eyes today. I pray as a church you would open our eyes to the need to pull out a chair at our table. God, I also want to pray today for this new year. Church, I pray for your formation. There is no formation without repetition. And I pray right now that this would be a year of formation in your life, that you would end this year more like Jesus than when you started this year. God, I pray from the back to the front, online to in person, I pray right now for weights to lift off of people. I pray those that came over into a new year with heaviness, that they thought would drop off because a calendar changed or a Christmas season, but they're struggling today with weight on them. In the name of Jesus, we cast off weights right now. I pray depression would drop off. Anxiety would drop off. I pray disappointment, regret, missed expectations would drop off. I pray the spirit of heaviness would be removed right now. I even speak to those that have been grieving, that it's time for grieving to turn into dancing, for mourning, to turn into dreaming. I pray right now for a change of season. I pray for weights to come off. God, I pray for sins to be removed. We've been willfully going against your commands, watching what we shouldn't watch, saying what we shouldn't say, doing what we shouldn't do, disobeying you. I pray right now for a removal. God, we confess it, we release it, and we choose to obey. God, a removing of sins. God, I pray for the desires in this house. I pray our hearts would want your will and your ways. I pray you would help our desires in this room. Desire holiness, desire peace, desire joy, desire community, hospitality, desire the very presence of God. May we be a church of prayer, a church of generosity, a church of forgiveness and grace and invitation. God, may our desires change from being selfish or lustful 
prideful or arrogant. God, we give you our desires. Would you change them? Would you heal them? Would you redeem them? And God, I pray right now for an empowering of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fill this room? Would you fill our lives? Very presence of God. Holy Spirit, would you give us strength and wisdom and knowledge and opportunity? Would you change our character and our giftings? Holy Spirit, would you fill our services? Would you fill our children's ministry, our youth services, our Sunday services, our small groups, our online campus? Holy Spirit, would you make much of Jesus in this year? We love you. In Jesus' name. Fences make great neighbors, but they make horrible Jesus followers. I believe right now there's even chains that you walked in this year of isolation, mental health, tiredness, fatigue. I believe this year we're on a journey, what God wants to do through radical hospitality in our church. Some of us have been in church together for years and we don't know each other. God's up to something. Join us for the journey, amen, amen. 
Father, I bless this church with your presence. May this week be one of assignment and purpose. Launch us. We don't leave church now. We enter church now. Thank you for the assignment on our lives to win people not to a service, but to a table, a table of belonging. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Coffee's flowing. Pick up your kids. We'll see you Tuesday night at prayer at 7 o'clock. We love you. See you next week.